0: Father in heaven, we just want to thank you this morning for every opportunity that you give to us to come together as your children. Lord, your word says the unfolding of your word brings light. It's the entrance of your word which brings light. Lord, it is in your word and through your word that we experience deliverance. Not only just, Father, from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. We experience deliverance, O Lord, from every infirmity. Father, your word says, O Lord, and we follow you, because you have taken upon yourselves all our infirmities, by your stripes we even experience healing. He who works miracles among us, He does it, and he who fills us with the Spirit, he does it by the hearing that comes from faith. And therefore this morning, even as we receive your word by faith, enable us to experience deliverance, healing. Deliverance from the power of sin, from the the attractions of this world, from the value systems of this world. And Lord, I pray that you would deliver us So that we will be able to deliver others through our lives and through our testimony, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Come at this time into your hands. Speak to our hearts. Anoint us all. For those who are not well in the body of Christ, we speak healing. Strengthen every one of them, O Lord. Send forth your word and heal. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, one verse when I want to look at in from Galatians chapter three <clears throat> and uh, we'll read a few verses and then we will Galatians chapter three and verse one onwards o foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should obey that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing that comes from faith or or the hearing of faith? Now, the question we need to ask is, Galatia is somewhere in Greece. I mean, it's uh, in Europe. Thousands of miles away from Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. The question, therefore, is how was a truth, a historical fact that happened several years before uh um, Paul even went to Galatia? How did it happen? I mean, how was he able to clearly portray among um them that Jesus was crucified? Is a question that you need to ask. How is it possible? And uh, what would you what would your answer be? Hey. How is it possible that something which happened several hundred miles away, okay, and a historical event, of course, how could that be so clearly portrayed as crucified? Is a question, right? And what would your answer be? I mean, if you if you read through the book of Galatians, excuse me, yeah, it is through the life of Paul. The portray the how did he portray that Jesus Christ was clearly crucified among them? The word for portray is to draw a picture. In other words, to use a brush, a paintbrush, to draw a picture. And and you know they were they say no a picture is worth a thousand words. Now here he did not. He did not draw a picture. He drew a picture through his own life. Okay. So his life is worth a thousand, I mean not even a thousand words, several volumes. So it was through his very life that he was able to convey to the Galatians that Jesus was Crucified. No, that's exactly what his confession is, right? His his testimony. Look at his testimony. One of the most boldest statements. Even Peter, I don't think, made a statement like this, right? Look at what his statement is. Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. When we look at, uh, we've seen it in different contact contexts. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. This is exactly how he... Excuse me, is it not coming? I restarted the system, Sammy? Okay. Um, Use a separate display. And then... Oh. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Slideshow. Um, um. Yeah. Oh, okay. Full screen. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. So it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but christ lives in me so this is this is how we lived and therefore what is it Now, when we look at this um, uh, whenever whenever we we'll think about the cross we think about oh, a morbid death is out violent death one of the most shameful things that happened in the entire in the in the, in the world right even though it has now been now it lost its uh, what do you call its edge maybe may make the cross a decoration and we do a lot of other things to it but what is it essentially no, when Jesus says you have one has to, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross. Uh no, pick up your cross daily. Yeah, that's it. No, you have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. What does it mean? Now, how does how do we really uh understand this, and how how does it directly um, uh, apply it? And how do we apply those that truth in our own lives? And you know, uh, when Paul is writing his his book, his epistle especially he's not just writing a series of uh truths it's a letter no in a, in it is and it is a, a letter, especially if you read the book i mean all his letters are very heartfelt they are very heartfelt in that it's they're, they're not emotional but they're passionate they 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 convey the message of the cross in Doctrine and also in life. You see, uh, if you look at every episode, for that matter, if, if you look at um, Romans, there are 11, eleven chapters full of doctrine, and from twelfth to onwards to sixteen onwards, how do you apply the doctrine that you have studied in your life? Ephesians, you'll see that full of doctrine and application. You see, they are not there is doctrine and there is behavior. There is belief and there is behavior. What you believe has to translate itself into behavior. Otherwise, it's useless. It's all head knowledge, right? And how did he do it? He was just not writing letters except Colossians. Every other letter that he wrote, and I also think Romans, also he was he was writing so that he would uh, uh, have an entrance into Rome. If you look at, look at Corinthians, you look at Ephesians, you look at Thessalonians, and you look at uh, Galatians. All of these churches were established by Paul. They had, therefore, he had a personal relationship with them. With them, okay. So he was writing not with all head knowledge. And they knew when he, they were reading the letters, this is exactly how we lived among them. right? So this is essentially, uh, that is the reason why I, I don't have a problem with itinerant preachers. I, I have a problem with itinerant preachers who are never a part of the body of Christ. That is my problem. You see, you have to You have to be protected by the body and you have to be sent through a body. It's not that you have an organization. Like for example, um, sometimes, you know, when people go to another mission, uh, to a mission field, they'll ask this question, which organization send you? We are not like, we are not organization conscious. That is not what you're talking about. We are a part of the body. Okay. So when he is writing a letter, he lived among them. He established the, the church through his very life. He taught them. And when he was teaching, it was just not abstract concepts; it was his very life. Right? That is the reason why, if you read uh, Ezra, it says e- Ezra purposed in his heart to do what? To study, to do, and to teach. To study the law of God, to do, and to teach. That is exactly how we convey. Also, I mean, to the best of our abilities, we want to live. We don't. We don't. Uh, we're not aloof. We live among you. Right, even as teachers we live among you, you know at least at least to a certain extent of what our life is. Okay, if not everything, at least a part of it. <laughs> right? And uh that is how we have to convey, right? And so what is the essence of this crucified? What what does it what do you mean? How does it how does how did it translate into the into the life of the apostle Paul? And therefore what do we learn? We'll we we'll learn a few lessons today. Uh, we, know, we may not have the time. We, we can do it in different uh, settings. But let us look at it. What is the crucified life? Okay. First, there is a positional truth. It says, I am crucified with Christ. When did that happen? And that and the truth is true for all believers who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It says, it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 6. No, this is very, very fundamental for all of us. Look at what it says. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves. so this is a historical fact. Jesus died and on the cross, and we also died with him i didn't put that verse if you turn with me to hosea if you can uh, if you can put it for us please uh, hosea chapter two if I'm right um just a minute uh if it's hosea um daniel hosea yeah hosea chapter yeah chapter 2 or chapter 6 oh sorry uh, this is hosea chapter 6 hosea chapter 6 hmm, look at look at what verses 1 and 2 okay and i'll read it for you okay it's it's very interesting this is this is fantastic verses okay um because jesus christ died according to scriptures or oh, the name, okay. Come and let us return to the Lord, for He has stoned, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. And verse 2, after two days He will revive us. No, Jesus said, destroy this temple and after two days I will raise it up. He says, after two days He will revive us. On the third day He will raise us up that we may Live in His light. You see, it's all we. So when when Jesus was when when Paul was saying, Jesus Christ died according to scriptures, He was buried according to scriptures, and He rose from the dead according to scriptures. Everything that happened in Jesus' life happened according to scriptures. So the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was a historical fact, and we also, according to Hosea chapter six verses one and two. We also who believed in Jesus Christ have been crucified together with him and also have been raised together with him. This is a historical fact. This is a positional reality, whether it is functionally happening in our lives is a different question. But at least this is, this is something which has, which has happened in history and therefore Christianity is not a set of rules. It is one historical event. The historical event is a, the event of resurrection and therefore if Christ was not raised from the dead, we are futile, the, our preaching is futile and we are still in our sins. Our faith is futile and if in this life only we have faith in Christ Jesus, of all the men, we are the most pitiable. Okay? That is what we need to understand and realize uh, in uh, in even our in our teaching and in our preaching understand this this is such an important truth okay so galatians chapter 1 so how did how did how did paul apply this truth in his own life first question is that so how did how does it translate and you can you have to read his personal testimony in the book of galatians now he is teaching them but he's also teaching them through his life, so you look look at the statements he makes about himself in the book of Galatians, and then you will know what that is. What does it mean for me to be crucified with Christ? You understand that? Okay, let us see. Let us see. Okay, Galatians chapter one. Few few uh, truths we'll uh, we'll uh, look at today. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still Pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So what is it? One of the things that he was delivered from, he never tried to please men. In other words, he did not fear the opinions of men. He was dead to that. Will come. Will we'll, let. Let first. Let us. We have to balance everything. We will look at first this objectively. What does it mean? Okay. We know this verse very well. Proverbs chapter twenty nine verse twenty five. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Okay. If you fear man, it will be a snare to you. That is the reason why what we have. All teenagers have this pressure, peer pressure, to be accepted by their group. Why they fear missing out. FOMO. That is the biggest phobia now, fear of missing out. If you fear man, it will become become a snare to you. And that is the reason why Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body, but do not have the power to touch your soul, but fear him who can put your body and your soul in hell, destroy both your body and soul. Okay, fear of man, fear of man will bring a snare. So fear if you fear I mean if you are a student and if you're trying to please your trying to be uh, appealing to your friends it will break a snap there's no conformity I mean it is not that you will be uh, obnoxious <laughs> okay see uh, you it's not that you're not you're not, you're not friendly you're not kind you're not gentle we're not talking about that see it says let your speech be seasoned with salt okay and gentle and be seasoned with salt but what does salt do salty means what it burns great you know in telugu they say sarra kalindi meaning what it 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 really really your life will not will not it it not be it will not be something which will people will look at it and say you know what uh i can ignore it no okay. if salt loses its saltiness it is good for nothing it's good for nothing, meaning it has to be trampled. That means what? If this is one of the things that Paul, you you look at his life, you look at his life now, everywhere he went, he preached the gospel boldly. He was not ashamed. But you know what? Many of us, even to give a tract, we are very, very uncomfortable. No. Okay, we'll speak about movies, we'll speak about books, we'll speak about everything else. But when it comes to preach the gospel, somehow oh, there is some kind of une- uneasiness in our lives. Why? Because we fear them. What will they think? Will they stop talking to me? Will I be able to convince them? Yeah. Okay. To pass out a tract, to pass out, to even witness, to say, and I think about it, no? Um several years back, I was uh I was traveling to Delhi. And in the, I was in the crowd and there was uh, this uh, BJP meeting that was supposed to take place in Delhi. So a lot of BJP guys from uh, Hyderabad were going towards Delhi, and and uh, the train was full of uh, politicians and I mean they all all kinds of different kinds of people. Okay, and uh, there was one guy, some some guy right in front of me. We were discussing and he said, uh, so "I said, oh, where are you going? Hamara um, Alkadwani saab is there? We are going for the meeting." immediately there was a tension. You see. And then he asked me, what do you do? Where are you from? I said, I'm I'm from Hyderabad, etc. And I was telling, I was very hesitant to tell that I'm not a believer, a Christian. See. This is one of the things, and what does the gospel actually do? It releases you from the fear, fear of man. Okay, look at what what it says in John's Gospel chapter 12. That is what crucified lives said. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ. Means what? I do not fear the opinions of men. Because Jesus did not fear the opinion of men. Everybody said, this guy is a criminal. He was numbered with the transgressors. In other words, criminal number one. Criminal number two. criminal Criminal number three. Okay, he was numbered. I mean I I always imagine that scene no uh, when um, John is baptizing uh, huh, everybody and it says everybody people came to be job, baptized with John by John they were what Publis, publicly confessing their sins so they came to the waters of baptism and John would ask oh, what did you do I beat my wife <laughs> I cheated on taxes I was I lied here now I don't want to do it anymore. Please, Lord, forgive me. Okay. Did you repent of all your sins? Yes, yes. Okay, now I'll baptize you.
1: Now think everybody's standing in line. Okay.
0: And they are all confessing to one another. What did you do? Mm, I was a wife beater. Okay. I was a cheater. And Jesus is also standing in the line <laughs> to be baptized with John. I mean, I can imagine that scene, no? This ma- this person who is absolutely sinless is standing in line with sinners. And then he comes into the water and chances You are asking me to baptize you. Baptize me? Are you? Have you asked me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. He said, shh, let it be so, so that we might, it is befitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What a statement that is. Okay. A lot of people say baptism is not important. Jesus himself was baptized. They will say, you know what? Uh, the thief was not baptized. Are you thief batch or Jesus batch? Which batch do you belong to? <laughs> thief on the cross was not baptized? Hare Baba. Special case scenario they were all the time. Which batch? Corona batch, thief batch, Jesus batch? Okay. <laughs> you see, so look at what it, what it says in John's Gospel chapter 12. No, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. They all believed. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. You see, the problem is that if you believe in your heart, you will confess with your mouth. Oh, I believed in my heart and I'll keep it a secret. No. You have to confess it. You see, it has to be made known. And when you're going into the waters of baptism, you are making a public confession not only to the to the church who's baptizing you the body of Christ who's who is there witnessing, witnessing that event, a part of the body of Christ who's witnessing the event, only a part of the body of Christ is witnessing the event, okay? But you know who who in actual actuality is witnessing the event? The entire heavenly hosts, including Satan, is witnessing, witnessing that event. I remember my mentor who told me, you know, when we were when we were getting baptized, Vijay, when I went into the waters of baptism, I told Satan. Satan, you do not have any power over my life anymore. I publicly say, from now on, I belong to Christ and Christ alone. Public confession. People get married secretly. We call that eloping. (laughs) See, marriage is a public event. right? Secret marriages don't exist. I mean, I don't know. We call it, even if it is secret, we still will call it living relationship. It's not legitimized. Are you afraid to confess that she is your wife? No, I am not. I am not. You see? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. What did they? They they did not want to be put out. Let me tell you something. You will have to go through this. You will be put out of some group, which is very dear to you. Some groups are not dear to you. It doesn't matter (laughs) whether you are put out or accepted by that group. But there are some groups which is very dear to you. Maybe your peer group, the people whom you love, your family, flesh and blood, etc. You will be put out. I remember one sister telling me, I don't want to mention that, it's from our own church. Um, She became a believer and she was getting married to this believer. The, The family is very rich. Okay. And they they said, okay, sign all these documents now. What are these documents? These are the documents of property documents. You are, you oh, I mean, you are, you are uh, signing this document saying that you do not have any part in the property. And anyway, she was telling pastor, she was telling me, she was like, pastor, I did not realize that my parents had so much of property till then. <laughs> 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 I did not realize. Should I sign it. Where should I sign? You will be put out. No problem. Let me be put out. You see it's a fear of God, what see these are all things which hold you, you hold you and you know what the crucified life tells me I do not care for the opinions of men okay not the opinions of men meaning I'm talking about opinions I'm not talking about the opinions of brothers. okay There's, we'll come to that later on okay we'll come to that later on we should balance everything lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praise of men, you see that they loved the praise of men than the Praise of God. No, it it, it it is not that we should uh, not love the praise of men. It's not who wants to be called a mad fellow or a bad fellow. Nobody likes to likes to be called a mad fellow or a bad fellow. Okay, but at the cost of compromising, I will never, I will never allow the opinions of men to make me compromise my standards and my convictions. You understand that? Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter seven verse twenty-three you were bought at a price do not become slaves of men oh my goodness okay that's what that's the reason why whoever has your mind has you and if you're always bothered about the slave, about the opinions of men like like Saul what was he concerned about what will people think about me see Saul was a man who was publicly appointed he was There at this on the seat on the throne because of public opinion. (laughs) David was God's choice, Saul was people's choice. That's a problem. That Saul depicts the flesh, and David depicts the spirit. Saul was people's choice. Ishmael, uh, Jacob had two sons, Esau and. Oh, sorry, Isaac had two sons. Uh, Jacob and Esau. And what was he saw? A hunter. He was a guy who's a man of the field. Not a man of the field. He was a man of outgoing fellow. Outgoing, dashing personality. Whom do you like? The person who is very timid and who is always at home. You like that fellow? Generally, who whom do people like? Outgoing, dashing, expressive. Okay. Who wins all elocution competitions? You now we used to have uh uh Elocution competition. I never understood what the word elocution mean. You know what, you know what elocution means? The person who is eloquent (laughs) takes part in elocution. (laughs) Oh, we should be able to express ourselves and make our points and debate and win an argument. That is Esau. And when Paul comes to Corinth, he says, I, (laughs) I was determined, he says, not to know anything among you except what? Jesus and Him. Crucified so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I did not use enticing words of men's wisdom. See? I did not try to please you with, with uh, men's wisdom. But there is a place for craftiness too. Okay, we'll come to that later on. Okay, we should, we, there is a place for craftiness too. Uh, there's a place for guile too. Okay, we'll come to that later on, not now. So, what happens when you actually have become a born again believer? you know what happens you're delivered from what we call as shame shame psalm one twenty seven. love this verse Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord okay now the word for children of course, is in the in the in the in the original translation means sons okay now we are all having we have girls and boys in our, in our, in our school. Our, I mean, you know, even in our orphanage, I remember some time back, I asked uh, the GSS children, how many of you would have, would like to be sons and not, not daughters? Everybody raised their hands. They said, you know what? Because boys can do a lot of things and girls have all these things. They are so, they have protected, they have so many restrictions. Sit, stand, don't put on that, that, that dress. So oh, many restrictions, but don't, you do not put any restrictions on boys. We like to, be, we like to be called sons. I said, you know what? In the resurrection, there are no daughters or there are no, everybody is given a position as a son. So this is those sons. Behold, sons or children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are children in one's youth happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be the, 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 the day you are accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become the son of God or the daughters of God. You've been accepted into His family. You've become a person who is in His quiver, and God wants His quiver full. Now, what is the first thing if you are if you have become a son of God? You're not ashamed. You don't have to be. If you are a child of a son of a king, once your identity has changed. You know that you are a son of a king. You know you. Your attitude completely changes. Right? Romans chapter 10 verse 11. Bro. Look at what it says. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Beautiful. Will never be put to shame. People might put you shame on this side, but one day God will vindicate you. For sure. Remember? All our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. For okay. this is their heritage as the servants of the Lord. Why? Because their vindication or their righteousness is from God. He has justified you. There's no need, no reason for for you to be ashamed. Isaiah chapter twenty-eight verse sixteen. Look at what it says. The same verse which is being quoted in Romans chapter ten verse eleven. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay in lay a stone in Zion. At Tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. This is an NIV translation. I liked it. You know what? Because people get panic. I mean, what what do people think about? Why should they? Why should we do this? What will they say? What will they say? They're always panicking. Learn how to panic. Okay. You never will be put to shame. You know what? What happens? You know what? You're not. You're not you're not ashamed of the past means the past has no hold on you. You will be able to boldly testify what God has done for your life. Till then you're hiding. But once you meet Christ and you be, and you know that you've become a son or daughter of God, what happens? You know what? You're bold. Look at what it says. One, one example. John's Gospel chapter 4. John's Gospel chapter 4 verse 28 and 29. The woman, this is the Samaritan woman who came in the middle of the afternoon because she was hiding from others. She she had a very terrible life. Remember that story? She left her water pot, went her way into the city, the very people whom she was trying to hide from, and said to the men of the city, can you imagine the bold first apologist, first evangelist in Samaria, not Philip. (laughs) It is this Samaritan woman who went to Samaria, and look at what it says. Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to me. Shame is gone. You've been accepted as, you've been accepted into the beloved. You don't have to perform anymore. That's what, you know, uh, like uh, Pastor was talking about on Sunday. The moment they were sent out from the garden of Eden, what came upon them was a spirit of rejection. You know, everybody has a spirit. You know, even in research, when you send a paper, there are two, Results (laughs) accepted, rejected. You see, Um, your paper has been accepted for publication. Unfortunately, your paper was good. That's the that's the kind of that is all standard language. Okay, (laughs) they have to you know pacify you. They have to be very kind. They say unfortunately there were too many people. The paper was good, even though some high quality papers also got rejected, and yours also was among them. They use all euphemisms as to why they have to rejected you, and what you dread? That word, reject. And I know how many papers I sent before I got the first accept. <laughs> Godliness. reject, reject, reject. We are afraid of rejection, and you know what happens? God accepts you, and that will. You don't have to prove to anybody anything anymore. What more do you have to prove? I am the son of the king okay that's that's what he says if God be for us, who what can shall we say of these things? if God be for us, who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all he not with him that's the point okay with him what freely give us all things who can bring any charge against god's elect it is not people's elect. It is not present elect. Present elect is people's elect. It is God's elect. After God's elect, no, no more, What is called, what we call as uh, disputing or contesting that election. Over. <laughs> no more contesting. It is God's choice and nobody can contest it and did he elect you because you were good? He has mercy upon whom he has mercy, Baba. That's it. That's the sovereignty of God. I have my choice and I made a choice. Over. And I'm righteous. I'm fair. I'm impartial when I made a choice to choose Richard or whatever, whoever it is. Anybody, everybody here. okay, I made a choice. Okay. It's powerful, right? It's a very important uh, truth that we need to understand. And therefore, look at what it says. Galatians chapter 1 verse 20. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God I do not lie. In other words, I do not have to lie. I do not have to pretend. That's the point. You know, Paul is saying, "You know what it does affect." If, if, if Paul was one guy f- to whom the with, who was absolutely one hundred percent—I mean, at least to the best of his, to be the best of my knowledge—if I read through his epistles, one hundred percent influenced by the gospel. Now think about it. no? what does he tell uh, Philemon? Philemon, I'm sending Onimus Onismus back to you. Accept him or receive him as you would. Receive me. Can you ima- imagine that, that statement? Receive him as if you are receiving me. If I were to come to your house, how would you receive me? If Pastor James is coming to our house, what, how would you receive him? I go, Randy. Okay, okay. Fantastic food. All the seven courses will be there. Will you receive everybody like that? No. See? Now concerning things, I don't have to pretend. And the first thing, therefore... Because you lost the shame, now you know that you are a son, you are free to be a servant. What did I say? Okay, you see, because you know what, we are sons who are free to become slaves. You know what Jesus read, let this mind be in you. Though he was God, he became a servant. Because he had a thorough understanding, that position will never be taken. Okay, that, that he the son of God. Over. <laughs> okay, and because he was son, he was free to be a s- servant. For, look, look, give me an example. John's Gospel, chapter 13. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In other words, he would go to any lengths to bring them back. I mean, to, to win them. And supper being ended. Okay. The devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Everything is happening. Okay. And then look at what the next verse says. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hand. What did He do? And that He came from God and He was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside His garments, took a stowel, girded himself up. I mean, let let me tell you, those words are loaded. Rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. Every word is a message. I'm not going to do the details of it today. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet. And who washes the disciples' feet? The lowest of the servants washed the feet. Why? Why did he take that position? Because he knew that he was a it's free. You're not ashamed anymore, and you're free to serve others. You're, there's nothing called below dignity. Okay. I remember when we were started our school for the first time. We didn't have ayah. Okay, you know what ayahs do, right? In school. <laughs> so we didn't have ayah. So what? What did we do? We became but cleaners for all the children. And children used to come to me, you know, all the children who are grown up now. They used to say, sir, my stomach is aching, sir. Please, can you take me to the toilet? And then they would go to the toilet and they would make all kinds of sounds. Ooh, ah, everything. <laughs> okay. Ooh, ah, everything. And they know what? And uh, so this is, so, so what did I do? Nicely, they finished everything. I cleaned them up. So we were we were butt cleaners, not butlers, but cleaners, okay, worse than a butler, okay <laughs> so it frees us so but did it is it below our dignity? No, we washed our children, they are our children. Does not matter whose child they are? Oh, ayah should come, she should clean those days we could not afford an ayah in our school <laughs> you see that, see that, that it frees to serve, serve others. Nothing is below dignity. Whatever it is. And that is what I like about the West. You know, one of the things that I like about the West is there is dignity of labor. You can be a... In fact, if you're an assistant professor, the chances are that you will earn less. You know who earns more in Canada, especially, and Canada and US and all these places in Australia and all these places, electricians. You know, think about Ganesh who comes. Ganesh will earn more than an associate professor in a top university. Think about Ganesh. And what do you say, Ganesh? Hey, that's how you behave with Ganesh, right? Hey, where are you, Ganesh? Come here. Uh, that's how you talk, call him. Are you You said you'll be coming. Why didn't you come? That is how we talk to them. You talk to them like that. You talk talk like that to an electrician in Canada. You are certified. Only those fellows can come. The only, they have to suppose, they are supposed to unscrew everything. These are the, and you have to pay them through your nose and they charge you what, $50, $75 an hour. Some, some people $150 an hour. And they make like $100,000 a year. Truck drivers. How do you, you, you think about one lorry fellow with a pagada who, 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 who eats some uh, Punjabi daba. You know what, how much he earns? $150,000 a year. And how much an necessary professor earns? He's only paid for nine months, by the way. Three months in summer, he's not paid. You know, in, in Canada and US, I mean, especially in, not in Canada, in US, an assistant, a professor is only paid for eight, nine months in a year because three months is summer. Who's more qualified? <laughs> Think about that, my dear brothers and sisters. I mean, that is what I like about the West. You know, everybody, there's a kind of an equality over there because you work hard, you make money. And if you're a citizen of America, you're free to do anything you want. And if you work hard at it, you'll be able to make money. So if you're a citizen, you know, what are we? We are not citizens of America or even India. We are citizens of what? Of the, of, of heaven. And that has to free us. That's what life, crucified life means what? Now I'm free to serve others. To even wash others' feet. There's nothing called as a menial job or a big job or whatever job. And I'm not looking for the opinions of men. Look at what uh, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is his life, okay? But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge my own self, for I know of nothing against myself yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord okay. so my life I am free to serve others acts chapter twenty four secret again no I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so. I myself always try to have a conscience without offense toward God first. You see that? And then toward man. God first and then man. So it affects everything in my life. It affects my service. It's a, it affects how I serve. It affects how I study. Okay. That's the reason why he tells Timothy, he says, study to show yourself approved unto, not the, not the church, <laughs> not to your pastor. Study to show yourself approved unto God. God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, Colossians chapter three. Oh, look at what it says again. Colossians chapter three. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with what I service as men please us, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Why? And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord. And not to men, knowing that from the Lord. So let me tell you something. You study hard. Okay, you study hard. If you study hard, from where do you get your reward? Not from your university. You're getting the reward from from the Lord. But let me tell you something. Even if you get low marks in your exam. But you are sincere. You worked hard. For some reason you were not able to do the best that you can. You know, what is, what is going to happen? One day, because of the way you work, God is going to reward you. He is going to see that faithfulness in little, little things, even in your studies. No Sincerity. Lord, let me be sincere in the little things in my life. He who is faithful in little also will be faithful in much. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Ask to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, see how fantastic it is it's liberating isn't it? so I don't work for my company, I'm not working for my lecturer or my or my parents, also I'm working for the Lord. when I study, I study unto the Lord. when I mop the floor, I mop the floor unto the Lord. you see everything changes I, I'm, I'm, I'm we're all moving in that we're all in that in that in that uh, in that journey. We are in different stages. But you know what liberates us from in serving others and doing anything uh for the Lord is the fact that we are sons and it liberates us. We're not you're we not put to shame, we're not ashamed of anything. We are not ashamed of our past because that is what past is under the blood and therefore we are not ashamed to testify, to proclaim who we are, and because of that you're also able to serve others freely. So let, 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 let us look at another lesson, the second lesson from the life of Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter 1. But I make known to you, brothers, that the gospel which, are, which was preached by me, again, it's his personal testimony, okay, is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is the second thing? What, what is happening? A person who is crucified, I mean, in the sense that if he's living a life of, a life of, uh, uh, which is, uh, like the crucified life you want to talk about, if you want to talk, if you want to talk about the crucified life, what does it mean? It means that he's, he lives by revelation and not just by knowledge or by wisdom of this world. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First we look at that, what, what it, what it is, how do you get that revelation, and then we will see how that plays in our own life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. What are these? The deep things of God. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in Him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And then what happens? In verse 2, uh, verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, how do we do that? These also uh, these things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So, what, how do how do you live a, a life? You now, your your life is not revealed, uh, lived by just mere worldly knowledge. You live a life which is based upon the revelation. That means this is the revealed truth. This is what you live by. Just not just not see. Somebody said no. Just because you have the Bible, it doesn't mean that you have the truth. And just because you have the truth, it doesn't mean that you have all the truth. It has to be a revelation. It's progressive, and God will reveal. And whom does God reveal the, His revelation to? Revelation chapter one verse one. Look at what it says in the NASB. I like this: the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, because he he received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show His bond servants, the things which must soon take place and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servants. Who is that bond servant? John in this case. So John is a bond servant who is going to teach the revelation of Jesus Christ to other bond servants. You see that? It's a revelation. And what happens when you have this revelation especially most of the time this revelation is about you. Okay? The vision for your life. The Lord appeared, the Lord of glory appeared to Abraham, right? Remember that? The Lord of God, glory appeared to Abraham in the ear of the Chaldeans before he met him in Haran. And what did he say? Get out of your father's country. What is the revelation. Leave your father's country, leave your kindred and go to the land which I will show you. And even as he slowly obeyed the Lord, the revelation of God kept, kept on increasing in his life. That is the life of faith. This is what we call as hearing from God. You see, understand? And what happens when when you receive revelation? What you are what you are not supposed to do? Galatians chapter one. Look at what it says. No, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. You know what it means? It means. That did not, I did not wait, go into a conference meeting. You know what is a conference? Okay, God showed me something. That's exactly what happened to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham. What did he say? Leave your father's country. Leave your kindred. Leave your father's household. And go to the land which I'm gonna show you. What did he do immediately? He conferred, meaning he had a conference meeting. What is a conference meeting? Uh, with daddy. Daddy. Uh, God appeared to me and uh, he's asking me to leave. Now what happened? Remember the story? So who was leading who? Terah was leading Abraham. Okay. The call of God is personal. And you responded personally. You do not get into a conference. Let me show you a verse. 1, one Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> this is Elijah, okay? So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was Plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, who said to him? Elijah said to him, Go back again for what have I done to you. When Elijah put a mantle on uh, Elisha, who did it? Who put the mantle on Elisha? God. You know what Elijah is telling? I did not put the mantle on you. I did not do anything to you. <laughs> the call is for you to personally. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to confer with flesh and blood? You know, Conference, no? So many things you do without uh, telling your parents, right? But some, suddenly when you become a believer, suddenly you'll say, you know, pastor, uh, uh, I've become a believer, what will my parents think? What will they say? Suddenly, all these things come in the picture. Why? Revelation. You know, remember that, uh, statement, uh, Jesus makes. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you. But my father who is in heaven. So what does what does Elijah do immediately? One Corinthians one Kings chapter nineteen. So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, took the uh, yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the once equipment, using the once oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. In other words, no turning back to my past. Over. I burnt all my bridges. I'm not going to make a conference and say, you know, what am, what am I going to do now? Uh, is it a good decision to make? You see, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good decision to make, etc. Okay. There's a place for that. We'll come to that later. See, Pro- Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, where there is no revelation, what do people do? People cast off all restraint. Meaning what? You'll waste your life. It's not that uh, you live a life which is promiscuous necessarily. You may be living a disciplined life, but you'll be living it for yourself. What is restraint? Somebody else is controlling you or rather uh, guiding you. Remember uh, the statement that uh, Elijah, Elijah, Elisha makes about Elijah. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Who is, who is Elijah? He's a horseman. So who's the horse? Elisha's horse. Think about it. No, the chariots of and the horsemen thereof. Who is the horse? I am the horse, and you are my horseman. You were the one who was guiding me. That's the reason why a horse, unless it has to be broken. You know what bro- breaking means? It comes under discipline, and after that, it will obey the master. Psalm 32. Remember this verse very well. No, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. But was nine? Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which have to be, which must be harnessed with brit and brittle, else they will not come near to you. In other words, what he's telling, you know what? My life is not my own. I live by revelation means once I receive this revelation from God, he is the one who controls me and nobody else. Nobody else controls me. He is the one who guides me. He is the one who controls me. He is the one. I have surrendered my life to Him. I do not make, take a, make a conference call and say whether I made the right decision or not. This is the right decision. Over. Mm. Over. It's over. It's done. Okay. Understand? Call of God is is personal. God does not call all of us in a group. No. God calls us individually. And when he, God calls you individually... Because it is a call of God, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the reason why it says flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Neither corruption will inherit incorruption. Impossible. Does it mean that we uh, don't take counsel? No. There's a place for that too. Galatians chapter 2. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But privately to them who were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. You know what it means? The word, person who is really, you know, when he says, I'm crucified with Christ, you know what he's, he says, you know what, the God has given me a revelation and I'm not afraid. Whatever, whatever teaching I'm, I'm teaching, I'm not afraid for people to scrutinize it. Hmm? Okay? But of those who seem to be to be somewhat, was 6, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they seemed to be somewhat in conference, added nothing to me. Meaning, when I subjected all the teachings that I was teaching to other, to the other people, they added what? Nothing. They added nothing. So I was not scared. Why? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14. Where no counsel is, what what, would, what do people do? People fall, but in the multitude of counselors, what is there? There is safety. Understand this. There is revelation, yes. But you know what? God also provides us a, a place where you take counsel, godly counsel, spiritual counsel. So that you are what? Safe. In the multitude of counselors, what there is what? Safety, especially in there are certain important decisions that you have that you have to make. For example, a decision like marriage. Okay. The first marriage that happened was between Adam and Eve, right? God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Therefore, he said, I should make somebody who is what? Who is who is a helpmate for him help meet for him. And then what did he do to Adam? He put him to sleep. In other words, he did not take Adam's opinion and choice whether Eve should be the person who who is uh, supposed to be married to him. No. It happened without Adam's choice. God made a choice for him. For Isaac, he did not go on bride hunting. Who made a choice for Isaac? Abraham through Eliezer made a choice for Isaac. Even for his own son. Who's making a choice? God the Father is making a choice through the Spirit. <laughs> but what do we do? You know what I'm talking about, right? Multitude of counselors, there is safety, Baba. God will send the right person into your life. Don't have to worry. It is his job, not yours. You be busy like Adam, tending the garden. Adam at two... He, Two works to to do. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to tend the garden and he was supposed to guard the garden. He had to tend it and to guard it. And because he did not guard it, what happened? Somebody came. And deceived Eve. The sin of omission caused the sin of commission. Busy. He was busy doing the Lord's work. You'll be busy doing the Lord's work and God will send the right person into your life. Like, you'll be meditating like Isaac, no? Suddenly. You'll find your Rebecca. No, I Isaac take the Rebecca. Why, why? don't we take these things uh, seriously? No. There was only one proposal, if uh, I, I, at least according to me in the Bible, uh, that was uh, uh, David uh, proposing to Abigail. That's all. There was only one proposal. That others are all love at first sight. See, and then you know what happened later on. Okay. When there is no counsel, what is that? People fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is what? There is safety. So what exactly, that's exactly what Paul did. know what Paul was not, not afraid for people to come and check him out. Check me out. And you know what he said? He had this confidence. After they checked me out, they added what confidence? For him, they added nothing. But for us, a <laughs> lot of things have to be subtracted and added. Okay. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Multitude, just not one. Multitude, there's safety, the safety nets. Proverbs chapter twenty, verse eighteen: Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice. What should you do? Make war. Hmm? Another verse. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6, By wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors their safety. You see how many times God is reiterating over and over and over again. And the biggest safety is what? The written word, most of the time. For 2 Peter chapter 1, because there are so many people who who do a lot of drama. I'll show you on drama bars in the Bible, okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power of power of God and the coming of Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty when for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased where did this happen on the Mount of transfiguration right on the Mount of transfiguration this is exactly what happened then what 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 does it what does it say and we heard his voice which came from heaven when we were with him. Only on the, uh, on the holy mountain. But look at what the next verse says. And so we have the, KJV uses the word, much more sure word of prophecy. You know what, what we didn't, we just didn't take the visions that we received from heaven because that that is subjective. But you know what we have? We have a much more sure word of prophecy. Which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in the dark place. Until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. You see that? So what is he doing? Everything subjected to scrutiny with the scripture. Okay. Has to be. You have to take counsel. In the multitude of counselors, there is always one. Safety. Otherwise, there will be a lot of people who give you, I received a dream. And God told me this. God told me in a dream. There was one guy like that. Dramebas in the Bible. No, He's called uh, Eliphaz the Temanite look at his look at his statements okay just job chapter four now a word was secretly brought to me and my ear received a whisper in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men fear came upon me and trembling which made me a bone which made my bones to shake all experience only okay then a spirit passed before my face the hair on my body stood up you know a lot of people said when this happened the goosebumps were coming upon you All that is happening. And then you know what he says? Who lies after that? It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice calling. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Etc. What you say is true. But in order to make your statement, what are you doing? Full drama. Oh. I had this experience. I had this vision. My, I was having goosebumps. <laughs> okay. I felt that this was the person that God brought into my life. No feelings. <laughs> okay. Because I'll tell you something, no? We are living in a time where people do not like sound doctor. Time is going to come, which says, people will not be able to endure Sound doctrine. But what do they do? They will heap for themselves what teachers who will itch their ears. I mean, having because they will just come and scratch their ears. That's all. They will comfort them. You know what I I call, I call them people who are who are only giving you therapy and not truth. First Samuel chapter sixteen. Look at what it says. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord. Troubled him. What happened? Distressing spirit from the Lord from where? From the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from the Lord is troubling you. <laughs> they all knew very true, very, very clearly what is happening with Saul. Saul, the problem is with you, is this, no? There is a distressing spirit from the Lord which is troubling you. Why is it troubling you, Saul? Why? Because you're walking in disobedience. But he will not say that. They will not say that you are walking in disobedience. They will say, let our master now command your servants who are before you. Who's commanding whom? Saul is commanding the servants. Okay, Who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player on harp. Now, who is this? They'll seek out out a man, right? So that what happens? And it shall be when that he, then he will play it with his hand. When the distressing spirit uh, from God is upon you, you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Now, whom did they bring? You know the story. They brought David. No, David was fantastically anointed. No no question about it. And what did he play? He just did not play music. See, David never plays music and says nothing. He was singing his hymns and all his psalms. Are they truth? Absolutely. Then he was playing this music. Saul was, hap- was happy for a, for a few minutes. And after that, what happened? When David left, the distressing spirit came back. Why did it come back? Because the issue was something which is much more deeper. Which was much more deeper. Now I was talking to Peter the other day. There are two churches, according to me. There's one church called the Church of Saul. (laughs) And the other church is the Church of Paul. In the Church of Saul, what do you do? You soothe people with music. It could be that he's an anointed person. We are not, we are not uh, talking about the uh, anointing on the person. That is, that is a different thing. But the person will never be confronted. What happens? He comes to the church. He enjoys the word, music and whatever little word that he gets. Okay. No, there's no confrontation that takes place. After he leaves the church, what happens? The same spirit that was upon him comes back. Why? Because nothing has been dealt with. His rebellion is not being dealt with. Okay. He's still what? Fearful of men. He's still envious of people. He's still in, what is, what do we call as insecure? All these things are happening. No truth has come into his life. He's not been confronted by the truth of the word of God, but for a few minutes what happens to him? He is given what we call as temporary injection, like anesthesia, to give you temporary relief. After that what happens? It's like, you know, watching a movie and going to church. The same thing. Why do people go to, watch, go to watch a movie? Oh, they are so tired with all this work for two and a half hours. Let let them forget about themselves and watch the movie. Two and a half hours, forget about all your troubles. Huh. Enjoy the movie. And after you get out of the theater, what happens? same The situation has not changed. Namcha. The situation has remained the same. And who who are these people around them? These are servants of Saul. That's exactly what happens. In the church of Saul, Saul is the hero and the person who is teaching Saul are his servants. They are not servants of God. And what do they do? How should we keep this evil spirit from not troubling you? But we will never tell you anything about your truth. For a few minutes, come enjoy, forget your troubles, and go back into your troubles. Forget your problems, and go back into your problems. You will go back into your rebellion. You will go back into your witchcraft, whatever it is. But you will never allow the truth of God to confront you. That's a problem. But in, in the church of Paul, <laughs> nothing of that is, that sort is allowed. He will confront. Albeit in a spirit of love. You see, it is very instructive. You know what? When you, when you look at who, these servants who are surrounding Saul, who are these servants? You have to ask this question. Who are these servants who are there, who are surrounding him and who are instructing him? Definitely not Sa- Samuel. Even Samuel was afraid of Saul, of Saul. Oh, where are you going? I'm going to the house of Jesse. If uh, Saul comes to know, what will he do? He'll kill me. So prophet is afraid of Saul. And everybody is afraid of the prophet. So remember when Prophet goes to Bethlehem? Why did you come? You're all scared. You see how, how things have changed in the last days? You know? Look at, it's very instructive. Who are these people who are surrounding Saul? Who are these people who are there and giving him advice? First, first Samuel chapter 14. Look at what it says. Now it came to pass on it, upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man who bare that, bare his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison. That is on the other side. But he told not his father. Now look at what it says about Saul. Who are around Saul? Saul tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Megron, And the people that were with him were about 600 men. Okay, fantastic. And then what happened? Who are these people around him? Verse 3. Ahayu, Ahaya, the son of Ahayatub. Who? Ichabod's brother. The son of Phinehas. The son of Eli. The Lord's priest in Shiloh wearing an effort. Who are there around you? Hmm? Compromised people are around you. What does Ichabod mean? The glory of God has departed. See, the spirit of the Lord has departed from you all. And what? what are you surrounding yourself with? Servants upon whom the glory of the Lord has departed. You know, th- th- that is what we call as yes men. Oh king, live forever. They also know the king is going to die very soon. Raja Chiranjeevi. <laughs> he is not Chiranjeevi Baba. <laughs> oh okay. king, live forever. Remember how they trap um, uh, uh, Daniel? How they We cannot find any fault with him. You cannot find fault in his work. He's absolutely sincere. Okay, only way we can find fault is with this God. So what we will do, we will alter the law of the meats and portions, which cannot be altered. So for 30 days, O king, live forever. For 30 days, no other person, nobody should worship any other God other than the king. That is what, the king is king, not God. You see? That's what flattery. These are all yes men who come and they trap you. Who? Are, what are they interested in? They are interested in their own promotion. They are not interested in the in the in the in the in the, in the well-being of the king. Remember when uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar has his dream about himself that he'll be cut off. You know what what Daniel says when he hears the dream. He says, "Dream, when oh my king, let me tell you something. Let this dream be for the people who hate you." For your enemies and not for you. The Lord gave you all these things, my king. But you did not give him glory. Let me tell you something. Seek justice. Show mercy. And this will not happen to you. He was, he was telling the truth to him. What? With love. You see, that is how, what is, those are the kinds of people you should be surrounded with. You should be surrounded with the kind of people who will tell you the truth about you. In love. And who is Saul surrounding himself with? Ahyan. The son of Ahaytub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, not the Phineas who took a sword and uh, and killed. No, 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 no. That is not the Phineas. The Phineas who is the son of Belial, according to God, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew that. Look at the next one. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. <laughs> they did not know. So, have a bunch of guys who will surround yourselves with people who will test you and show you. First thing, surround yourselves with people who will test you. Who will test you, meaning be in a position to constantly receive correction. Okay? You should be in a position to constantly receive correction. Once you constantly receive correction, what is the next stage? you also will be in a position to give correction. Understand? See, only those people who receive correction can give correction. Everybody wants to give correction. But if you correct them, who are you to tell me? Huh? Only those people who can receive correction can give correction. So let us look at the next Next thing, but how do you give, give correction? Look at another statement that Paul makes. No, Galatians chapter two, verse nineteen. For I through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Okay, what does it mean? Romans chapter thirteen. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. There is only one law we are un- which we are under. Not the, not any law. There is Baptist law. There is Pentecostal law, and there is uh, that law. We are not under any law. It doesn't mean that there are no rules in the church. No. We are not talking about that. We are not under any any law. Okay, we heard it in different contexts, but there is one law which rules us, and what is that law? The law of love, right? And what what does it do? Because we are under the law of love, what do we do? First Peter chapter four, verse seven onwards. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So how do you do that? First, there are different kinds of people in the church. Okay. There are people who are babies. There are people who are mature. So different people should be, should be given instruction and discipline in different ways. For example, when, when they are just coming and growing in the Lord, this is how Saul disciplines them or Paul disciplines them in 1st Thessalonians chapter 2. This is what he says. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children so what did we do? So, so what did we do so affectionately longing for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of god but our, also our own lives because you had become dear to us so become you became very dear to us okay that is how i win you over i love you i am affectionate made, we do not make any demands okay? we did not make any demands And because we do not make any demands, the next verse, look at what it says. You are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. And you, and you know how we exhorted and comforted and charge every one of you as a father. So what does a, what does a mother do? Mother gives affection and what does a father do? Charges. So we give both to you. The motherly affection and fatherly discipline. Because then when we started the church, this is how we, we behaved ourselves among you. And that is how we loved you. And that is how we corrected you. And that is how through love, what did you do? We covered a multitude of your sins. Okay. But then, when you grow up, James chapter 5. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his, way, of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now how do you do this? This is a different type of discipline. This is not a discipline where you are, you are exhorting first you are giving uh, love and then you are slowly exhorting and correcting and encouraging them. This is a different. You are telling the person oh, this is not a truth. You are going away from this truth. Come back to the way you're confronting him. That is how you, uh, cover a multitude of sins. Look at, look at what it says in Galatians chapter 2. This is what Paul did, no? Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. And when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. You see that again, the fear of man? Brings a snare. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And then what happens? But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth, what was he doing now? He was correcting a brother from the error of his way and through love, what was he doing? Covering a multitude of sins. See, you know what? Uh, the word for... They were not working walking straight forward. No, it is the work of an orthopedist. The word in the in the in the in the Greek is orthopedeo, which means you know what an orthopedic orthopedic does. He sets your bones, and bone setting is not a very easy process. There's no anesthesia. No, I fell off my bike when I was uh, in my seventh grade, if I'm right. My, the, the front, t- front tire mudguard, right? I was going very fast. And the front tire mudguard was very, I was loose. And was, I was going, I mean, like a hero on BMX, I don't know what, what cycle I had those days. And suddenly, the mudguard fell on the front wheel. And it, the, the, just wheel jammed. I mean, I was traveling, let's say, about 35 kilometers per hour. Close to, let's say. Or or maybe as fast as forty kilometers per hour, and suddenly from zero to forty in one second. I mean, sorry, forty to zero in one second. I just toppled like this, and I went on my arm, and this dislocated my elbow. Elbow just came out, crack, out, out of joint, screeching in pain. Okay, I did not pass out. <laughs> I was screeching in pain. And then they took me to the orthopedist, and you know what the orthopedist did? (laughs) Pulled it and pulled it back and put it in place. Through that process, I was screaming and screaming in my in the in the in the in the hospital. And after they put a cast, they removed the cast. I had to go through physiotherapy to make the bones straight. That is what he did. Painful operation, setting the bones. He did the work of a bone setter, but he had to do it because he loved Peter. And Peter knew it. You see, there is one kind of a love that we should do. We overlook faults Because they are children. No, But there are certain times when you have to confront the person. There are no sentiments over there. And it's going to be a painful process. Blessed is the person who receives a correction like this, even though it is painful. See, you're not, you're not afraid to receive correction. You're also not afraid to give correction. Oh, I love Pastor Vijay so much. How can I say this to him? He's been such a fantastic blessing to me. No. (laughs) See, I'm I'm talking about normal situations where this can happen. See? Because everybody has blind spots. Right? Galatians chapter 6, how do we do it though? How do we do it? Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Other translations, you will, you will use the word. In the spirit of meekness. I know, Think about it, no? If Peter would have got offended at that point, what would have happened to Peter? I think finished. Peter's uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, testimony would have ended there. But God had a plan for Peter that one day he had to die for the gospel. And he also told him as to what kind of a death he should die. Thank God. <laughs> and he took correction. And you know how he took correction? Look at the generosity with which he appreciates Paul. I, I mean, this is fantastic. I, I think this is the kind of maturity we should come, come up to. Look at what it says about Peter. No, we always talk about Paul. Let us talk about Peter also. No? Okay. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these to these things, this is 2 Peter chapter 4. We thought uh uh to be diligent to be found uh, found by him in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our lord jesus is salvation consider the long suffering of our lord is salvation as also our beloved brother paul according to the wisdom that was given to him has written to you so he's not, he's not just writing to he's writing to the people to whom paul also ministered right so obviously here and then look at what he says In all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand. He says, some things I I also don't understand. And he's very humble there, no? Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they also do. What? Other scriptures. So what is it calling the epistles of Paul? You see, who was the one who endorsed Paul's epistles? Peter, as scripture. That is what I call maturity. Are this fellow corrected me. Yeah, he teaches good, but I don't think he preaches the word of God. No, 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 no. He doesn't say that. He said, this is scripture. That is maturity. Would to God we have a church like that, amen? We <laughs> are not, see, that is what crucified life means. He's saying, you know what? <laughs> I'm not, not only, I'm ready for scrutiny. My life is like this. You can come and show me. And I'm doing this. I'm not doing this in a in a secret. I'm taking my gospel and I'm asking people to show me and show my life too. No problem. I'm also ready to not only give correction, or sorry, receive correction, but also ready to give correction. And how do I do it? In a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of love. <clears throat> okay. So that I win the other person over to Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of correction is not to destroy the other person so that he can be brought back to Jesus. See? And those intentions have to be very clear. And you know how is it going to happen? Only in a fellowship that is happening. That 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 is that is possible to happen. If I don't know you, a lot of people they come to church. Hello, brother. After that, hello, brother. That is their life. They don't even stay for a for a few minutes to say hi to the pastor. Hello, brother. Hello, brother. Look at what it says. So. Telling the truth to you does not make that person an enemy. He's not your enemy. Galatians chapter 4 verse 16. No, we know this verse very well, right? Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you, tell you the truth? No! He is not my enemy because he is telling me the truth. Sometimes I have to use some interesting methods to tell you the truth. Okay. See, there are three ways of telling the truth. First thing, you should use the attitude of a father and a mother and discipline, etc. Okay? Second, you have to confront like the way you confronted Peter. That is painful and that, that, that sometimes you have uh, people who are mature enough to take it. But not always. There are times when the people are not mature enough to take that kind of a correction. So what should you use? You know what you should use? Craftiness and guile. Uh, 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 uh. Vijay, <laughs> You're teaching heresy, no? Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. See, I'm gonna show you verses which you just, just overlooked, no? Just just flipped over as if they are nothing. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. And I, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Look at this, look at this, everybody. Okay. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. In other words, I'm spending my resources and I'm spending my own life for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved by you. The problem is I love you so much. I want to correct you. I want to, ch- I, but the problem is the more I, I try to love you, the less I am being loved by you. So what did I do? But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, verse 16, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Your, your what is your translation, sir? Why with guile? I caught you with guile, being crafty. My goodness, that is the reason why he says be harmless as doves and be wise as serpents. Sometimes you should use all kinds of crafty ways of winning. For example, how did uh, Nathan confront uh, David? Ah, crafty, guile. You know, there's a story, Baba. In your kingdom, this is happening. Okay, there was this guy who had, a, who was a rich fellow, and there was a poor fellow. He has only one lamb. This fellow had many lambs. Some some, some person came to the rich fellow's uh, rich fellow's home. What did he do? He slaughtered the poor fellow's lamb. oh. oh. Who's that fellow? He should be paid. He, he will pay with his death. <laughs> you are that man. What is that? Crafty and with guile. See that is that is you let let me tell you something. In the where do you need the most wisdom? Not in your workplace, in human relationships. You need relationship in human. How to talk to which person? You need to ask God. And all should be done in an attitude of what? Love. The more abundantly I love you, the less I'm being loved by you what did I do? I used some guile. And he says, being crafty. <laughs> you see, I am Apostle Paul. Okay, I'm not an ordinary fellow. I graduated from University of Tarsus. Hmm? I have a doctorate from there. And I was a prize student of Gamaliel. So don't think that I'm not crafty. I am crafty. Just because I just openly come people, I allow people to beat me, etc. Doesn't mean that I'm not crafty. I know exactly where to use and what kind of words to use. Hmm? being crafty, I caught you with guile. I love that verse. I said, boy, this is how we need, what we need and sometimes in human relationships. So, a soft answer, what does it do? It turns away rats. You need to be able to win the other person over. And how do you do it? With craftiness and with guile. No, no, don't judge me, okay, when I speak some words with you. Is he using craftiness or guile? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I mean, I I know sometimes how Pastor Todd talks to me also. He uses craftiness and <laughs> all the other things, but it is good. For the whole purpose is I know that he loves me, you know. S- same thing with you. Should, you should know that I love you or I, I should know that you love me, etc. Is that this is happening in an environment of love because what covers? Love covers a multitude of sins, my dear brothers. So you have three kinds of ways you r- give correction to others. Sometimes you have to become, become a bone setter. Why? Because of your action, other people are stumbling. And little leaven, leavens the whole lump. I have to deal with it. I have to be absolutely, what do you call, uh, ruthless about it. Hmm? And even if it pains you for the time being, I'm looking at the greater good. I'm not only saving those people, I'm also actually saving you. Peter. From hypocrisy. And thank God for Peter. You know what he says? Galatians you are reading, no? That is actually scripture. Who endorsed Paul's Peter, Paul's letters? Peter. It's amazing, isn't it? Put to God we have that kind of a maturity in church. And some people you have to use craftiness and guile. (laughs) You don't have to play all your cards. (laughs) Okay. Slowly. Why? We are not trying to deceive the other person. We are trying to win the other person over. Amen. Amen. Look, I, I remember even uh, Joab sending that lady, you know, to David. And suddenly, after a while, he realizes, who sent you? Joab! Uh, you see, see, this is, this is all, all those things in the Bible. How God uses different kinds of people to win people over to Himself. Craftiness. Okay. But the whole, whole environment is in an environment of love. Okay. And that is the reason why it's truth, even though there's craftiness in it. Amen? Okay, so why? Because Proverbs chapter 15 verse 5 will say, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is what? Prudent. He's wise. Okay. And sometimes, you know what, uh, 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 if, what, what if you've been, uh, you you've not done anything wrong, and uh, so suddenly some people, somebody's angry with you. What will you do? Mm, I'm not going to be in this com- company. <laughs> I'm going to send my resignation letter tomorrow. Cool. You know, one of the verses that liberated me in my life. I'll show you this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 4. Okay? If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post. For conciliation pacifies great offenses. Remember? Pharaoh was angry with two of his People, two of us, one the butler and the baker. What did he do? Sent them to prison. That's what he says. No, the, 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 the cupbearer says, you were angry with us and you sent us to prison. Oh, then, then after you restored us, I didn't say, uh, I'm resigning my position as a cupbearer. No. I was patient. Okay, another, another translation. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to. Calm, cool, patient. Okay, oh, I was being wrongly indicted. Let me just write an email and start off a group against the, no, don't do that. I, I like the, I like the New Living Translation. Okay, this, this is straight to the point. Okay. If your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes from his side and your side. (laughs) Both sides. (laughs) Liberating verse, no? (laughs) Because I'll tell you something. We are living in an impatient generation. Impatient. They want answers like this. Today justice. Tomorrow just. Today if I protest, tomorrow I have to get justice. What movement? BLM, This Lives Matter, Those Lives Matter, all kinds of movements. All protesting only. It's impatient, impatient uh, generation. Now the problem is that they are not in a position to receive correction or take correction. See? Why? Because they are impatient with leadership. You Remember what happened when uh, Moses went up the mount to receive the Ten Commandments? They grew impatient. Who should grow impatient? If at all, he has to grow impatient. The person who is standing in the presence of the Lord. We do not know what happened to this fellow Moses. Fellow of Royal College of Surgeons. You know how to become a fellow of Royal College of Surgeons? You ask this doctor over here. One of the most toughest exams, if I am right. FRCS. And no, what are they calling? Fellow. He is not your fellow. He is in a different class altogether. And what do they do? They eat and drink and they rise to beat. Matthew chapter 24. I'll show you this verse. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is what? Delaying in his coming. What is this delay? This delay could be anything. Why am I not being vindicated so quickly? Why is this delay? What does he do? And he begins to beat his Yes, you see, what does exactly what happens? No, many people when they, when they, I'm not indicting anybody. Okay, just it happens. It happens in every church, for that matter. They get impatient and they leave the church. And what happens to them? They become sour with the leadership. Or the people of the church, they they, they don't have anything bad good to say about the church anymore. Oh no, 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 that church was like this. That church was like that. They become sour. And not, only, and not only that, they become sour. Second thing it says, they begin to eat and drink with the drunkards. That means they become worldly. The things you wouldn't have done, oh what what you wouldn't have done, you would now begin to do. What happened to your convictions? All have, all have, all have gone. Why? You became impatient. All, they, all the convictions are gone. You have become as worldly. In fact, you have become more worldly than before. See that? See, that is the reason why it's so important, no? For us to ensure that we are in a place where we are, we are guarded, we are taught, we are corrected, we are protected. Amen? And final thing for today. So many things I'm, I just wanted to show you just from the life of Apostle Paul, how he made this, what is dying on the cross actually means, I mean, what is it, what is it life, what is the, uh, what is picking up your cross and walking daily, what does it mean? This is what it means. You're patient. You don't quit. Just because one day somebody said something to you, don't quit. No? They're not quitters in God's kingdom. Amen? No matter what, it is not over until God says it is over. Okay. Amen? Till then we fight. Okay, okay, okay. Dipika, Galatians chapter four, last verse, for the day. last uh, thing which I wanted to share, brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. What a statement, no? Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know what he says? You know what I became like you, meaning, meaning the whole purpose of me coming to you so that I would live among you. I, I remember, no, how people when they go to mission fields. They learn the language. I'll, st- I'll tell you a story as to, of uh, my great grandfather from my my father's mother's father father's mother's father. Okay, the Lutheran missions uh, they came to a place called Parvati Puram. This is in uh, Andhra. It's in northern Andhra, close to the Orissa border. Okay, this was way back uh, during the um, during the pre- I mean pre-independence days, obviously, because it's my great grandfather, right? And uh, the Lutheran mission came, they established churches, they established mission fields and one of the first things they used to do when they came to the mission field is to learn the local language. And once they learned the local language, you know those days, you know what, what they used to do. They would refuse to speak to you in any other language other than your the language. They would preach in Telugu. I'm talking about all these people who came from the West, who came and established churches, they came, they learned the language and they preached to you. They, they came and became a part of you. Okay. And in fact, those days, the first few years, they did nothing but just become a part of you and live among you. And you know what happened? The first person to get converted into the in that village, in that place in Parathipuram, the first convert was my great-grandfather. You know what they, they called him? His name was something. They, his name was Christian. They call him Christian. That's how my uh, family name comes, Christian. Okay, His name is Christian. They call him Christian. You're the first convert, you're the Christian. So his name is Christian. And then after, after a while what happened, the Second World War was happening. And uh, the Britishers, they had to take uh, part in the war. So what they asked, they asked all the missionaries from India to leave and go back to England. So one day, everybody, the mission missionaries from different different places in uh, in Andhra, they had to pack their bags and they had to leave. You know what happened when they were leaving? The entire village used to go after them. Weeping and crying. This is this is a testimony I mean I heard no, man, from my from my from my from my relatives. My father was telling me all this. They would weep and go to the railway station and they said, We never met Jesus Christ, but we know how He looks like because we saw you. You are Christ to us. Weeping that they that they were leaving the mission field. And that is how mission started. That is how authentic Christianity started. When they came, you know, uh, where is Mephibosheth He is in a place called Lodabar What does Lodabar means? People, it's a God for second place. Literally, in other words, if you want to put it, put it that way, in those in those words, there's nothing called God for second. That's what Ziba's statement is. He is in Lodabar So what does what does King do? Go to Lodabar, find that fellow, and make him come to me, and let him sit at the king's table. You know what, what Paul is saying? I became like you so that you could become like me and follow me even even as I. That is what he did. This is, this is, this is is the gospel. Gospel affects everything. So when you, when we, even in the church, right, we have our own convenient groups. (laughs) Uh, There's a verse in James, if you can turn with me to the book of James once I forget to. Uh, I didn't put this verse, James chapter 1, which uh, really challenges me, you know. James chapter 1. Uh, look at what it says in James chapter 1, verse 9 and verse, 11, verse 9 to 10, verse 9 to 11. Okay, It says, uh, is, is, it, "Is if you can put it there, it will be great. James chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. 1 verse 9 to 11, yeah. Okay, it, it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Let the lowly brother boast, okay, is it it's not? Okay, fine. Let a lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich man in his humiliation. What should he boast in? A rich man should boast in his humiliation and the lowly man should boast in his exaltation because, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. So what should a rich man do? He should glory in his humiliation. What does humiliation mean? Now he is willing to be willing to be a part of the body of Christ from different backgrounds. You see? He's not outside. he's along with them. He's together with the saints that we are able to comprehend the length and the breadth and the width of the love of God. I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. It says, no, the way the way actually it's written. brother Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I, like you, you have not injured me at all. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith working through love. Expressing itself through love. I mean, this is one of the ultimate verses. We'll stop with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. To those not having the law, I became like not, like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. And what is Christ's law? The law of love, right? So as to win those who, win those not having the law. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people. So that all possible means, I might some. I do all this and I share in his blessings. You see? This is what it does to me to become I mean, it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy to become all things to all people I mean, this is not talking about compromise no it's truly truly empathizing with and of course we are not able to we are not going to be able to understand everybody's uh, 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 struggles it's impossible for us to do that it's impossible but we can ask god lord let me never become a stumbling block okay? let me love them Unconditionally. You know, one of the things that we never ask about people is tell me about your past. Hmm. No. It's under the blood, it's covered. Ne- they never asked me. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask about you. Once once all fresh he became like us we could become like him. You remember? He became poor. In fact, he became poor so that we may be made rich. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became a curse. So that the blessing of Abraham could be given to us. And then you know what Paul says? I became all things to all people. And in fact he says I became like you so that you could become like me. The whole purpose was to win you over to Christ. So that's exactly how. These are simple truths. Very difficult to follow but very simple to understand. But it is possible uh, through the Spirit. And these are some things which you have to know. This is what God demands from us. And when we know, then only we ask. If we do not know what the standard is, why will we even ask God? Amen. Let's pray. I ask God, Lord. Teach me. God's to fix area of my life, and especially my life. And enable me, Lord, Through my life, I will be able to win people over to you. I do not seek to please men. I seek to please God. And in pleasing God, I serve men. In pleasing God, I serve people. In pleasing God, I'm free to serve others. In pleasing God, I'm able to receive correction. In pleasing God, I'm able to give correction. All is happening in an environment of love and trust. And this morning, O Father, I pray. You would grant us all, the heart of Lord Jesus, a heart to love you first, to love you first, and then to love others as you loved us. If any man has any fault, has done anything against you, as God in Christ forgave you, forgive. And this morning I pray that you would grant us grace that we will be able to, through our life, through our life, minister to others. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Commit today's evening service into your hands. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. And lead us in the way of everlasting life. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.